0: We are so excited you're here. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor of Mission Life Church. That is our new name. That's our new brand. So excited about what God is doing and love the fact that you're joining us here this morning. And again, if you are new and if you've never filled out a Connect card, we mentioned it a little bit before, but we really want to get to know you a little bit more. So you can always hop onto our website and click on Connect. And we've got a Connect card that you can fill out online. And we'd love to follow up with you, help take your next step answer any prayer requests that you might have. That's for you. And also we have a Bible app. If you want to download the Bible on your phone, you download that, and then you can go ahead and look under events and click mission life. And you'll know what you'll find. You'll find the bulletin with all of the outline and the scriptures that you can follow along with us today. So That's just an opportunity for you. Well, I also want to let you know, I miss you guys. I miss being with you. I miss seeing you, uh, your kids. I know Keisha Jones, our children's pastor, is dying. She's like, I want to see the kids. Um, So we just want to let you know, we miss you guys so much. But I love the fact that we can at least connect online. And for those of you who are new to Mission Life, um, our church exists to help people find and follow Jesus, to fearlessly change the world. And we like to say that everyone has a next step. Wherever you're at with Jesus, whether you're exploring Jesus, you're coming back to Jesus, or you've been following Jesus for some time, every single one of us has a next step. We're all people in process. No one is perfect. And um, if you feel the same way, then this is the church for you. So love the fact that you're here. Hey guys, have you ever received a gift? Or have you purchased something which you thought, okay, I'm really excited about this because this thing is going to help my life a lot more, okay? It could be something you got from somebody. It could be something you purchased online, and you thought this is going to be perfect in the kitchen, or I'm going to be able to use this out in the yard. And then when you actually get it, you start to look at it, you start work work with it, you're like, wait a minute, how does this thing actually work? Like, is this thing even working? I don't even know if it's working. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me quite a bit. In fact, I remember when I uh, became a new dad several years ago. As a new dad, you're, you're thrown into this atmosphere with all of these new gadgets and things that are supposed to help make your life better for you, your child, your family. And I will never forget getting the Bob stroller. Some of you, you're not dads yet. Maybe someday the Bob Stroller is pretty epic. But the Bob Stroller is this literally this tank that is a stroller. And uh when you first get it, it looks amazing. But then when you actually have to fold it up and put it in your vehicle and take it somewhere, I mean, it's a nightmare. The first time I started to do it, I look like a moron. So I that is just one of many cases where I think, I know how this works, I know how to do this. And over and over again, I realize I don't really know how to do this but I want this thing because I know it's going to help me have a better life. I know for many of us, when we think of this whole relationship with Jesus, we think, is he working in my life right now? How does Jesus actually work? I mean, for some of us, we're exploring Jesus, we're checking Jesus out, and we're thinking, I gave Jesus a try, and he didn't really work for me. Or maybe right now in our life right now, with things going on and all the uncertainty and the the, the confusion we're actually wondering, Jesus, are you at work? Because it doesn't seem like you're at work. And maybe some of the things that we're going to talk about today can bring you a little bit more confidence that as you attach yourself to Jesus, he promises to work in you, he promises to work for you, and he promises to work through you as you trust him. So what we've been doing over the last couple weeks is we've started off um, a series a couple weeks ago called I Am. And we want to understand who Jesus is in his own words. Because as we look at the Gospel of John, we start to look at these different statements that he says over and over again. He says, I am, I am, I am. Last week, we talked about him and what he said being, I am the good shepherd. And today, we're going to look at why Jesus says, I am the true vine. And why that is incredible news for you and for me, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey with Jesus, because he wants to work in you and through you and for you. So how do you know? And what's he working us towards? Why is this so good for all of us, no matter where we're at in this journey today? He is the true vine. So if you have a Bible or if you're following along on that Bible app, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And as we look at John chapter 15, let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus uh, has just been talking with his disciples in chapter 14, and he's actually leading them out of what's called the upper room. For some of you who aren't familiar with the story of Jesus in the Bible, Jesus has just spent basically what's considered the Last Supper, and he's actually leading his disciples to head to what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And during this particular time in first century um, Israel, uh, this was around a similar time of what we are today, where there is uh, spring is happening and so there were uh, grapevines that were blossoming and Jesus is leaving the upper room with his disciples walking through the darkened streets of Jerusalem heading to this garden and he's probably able to look at these different vines that are around and he wants to give his disciples an object lesson he wants them to understand some things about how he works because he's about to leave them They don't fully get it. They don't fully understand what's happening. But Jesus is going to be taken, imprisoned, wrongly accused, and willingly he's going to die on a cross for the sins of the world. And so as you can imagine, if you're one of Jesus' disciples, his followers, this would be absolutely shocking. This would be really scary. So Jesus wants to bring confidence that they are being used by him in a beautiful and powerful way, so that he can work in them and work through them to something that's even better and bigger than they can possibly imagine. So let's read John chapter 15, verses 1, and we're going to go through to verse 11, and we are going to look at why Jesus calls himself the true vine and why that's good news for us today. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you're going to reveal to us this morning about how good you are as the true vine. You want us to be connected to you. You want to show us how you are at work and what you are working us towards wherever we're at today. Would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we learn that Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples back then and to us today is this, is that Jesus wants us connected to him. Jesus wants us connected to him. He loves us. He cares about us. But notice what he says right away. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Jesus uses a very common image that his disciples would have understood. And you, you see some of these slides here of these grapevines vines and, and, and a gardener and all throughout this particular region, they grew grapes. They made wine. And Jesus is using this as an illustration to show some powerful truths about who he is in relation to God the Father. See, throughout the Old Testament, God describes the nation of Israel as a chosen vine. God himself mentions in, uh, in Exodus That he takes uh, Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and he brings them out as a chosen vine, and he plants them into what's considered the promised land. And instead, though, over and over again throughout the Old Testament, instead of producing this beautiful good fruit, unfortunately, every time he talks about this throughout the Old Testament, it's not really good. The, the, The fruit that they're producing isn't good. Israel's job was to obey God and be blessed to be a blessing to restore a broken and fallen world. And Israel had been failing in its vocation literally from the very beginning. And so what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the true vine, he's saying, I am the genuine vine. I am what Israel never lived up to. I'm the ultimate fulfillment of what a proper relationship with God looks like in the world. Now, I'm no gardener. For those of you who know me, you would laugh if you saw me working in my garden, for example. You would be like, Aaron has no idea what he's doing, and I totally admit to that. But I have done a little bit of research this, and I'm sure if you are a gardener, you are going to, of course, contribute on Facebook and, and talk to me, any opportunities to correct me. But uh, as a gardener, let's, let's take the example of a rose bush, Okay. I know we're talking about vines, but it's very similar with a rose bush. So when you when you have a rose bush, if if you don't do anything with it and you just let it grow, it's gonna grow, but it's gonna be scraggly, it's gonna be all over the place. It'll produce rose blooms, but it won't look that great. It, it, it won't produce the kind of beautiful, full roses that we ultimately want to have. So what happens is this, and in other words, what Jesus is saying right here is Jesus wants us connected with him so that God can actually protect us, that God can protect us. God wants to care for his vine and his vineyard. And when we're connected with Jesus, that allows us to be protected by him. He wants to nurture his vineyard. He wants to care for his vine. He wants to care for the branches to be more fruitful. And this is really significant as well for those in the early church that read this particular verse. You know who they would have thought of? They would have thought of Judas Iscariot. They would have thought of somebody who was not... um, Producing the kind of fruit and that God would want to go ahead and remove. Notice in verse two, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes. Most people would be thinking, "Oh, this is talking about Judas Iscariot." In other words, there's going to be people that claim to to follow Jesus in word, but when you actually look at their life, they don't demonstrate any kind of fruit that reveals they're truly connected to this. Jesus wants us to be very clear on what actually transforms our lives, what actually defines somebody who's a follower of him and not, and it shows up in the fruit of their life. It doesn't show up through just religious knowledge or someone who claims to follow Jesus. Jesus wants to make it very clear. I want you in a relationship with me. I want you connected with me. This is what I'm looking for. Then the second thing we notice is this, is that God wants to purify us. He wants to purify us. Verse 2b, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So this idea, this, this picture of this rose bush or this vine that needs to be protected and cared for, for it to actually become all that it's supposed to be, it needs to be pruned. In other words, what has to happen is there there are certain kind of branches that are growing inward or, or branches that are actually cutting off the light to the other branches. And so it's actually hindering or holding back the bush or the vine to become all that it's intended to be. And so what Jesus is saying with this powerful image, I am the true vine and God is the gardener, is that God wants to not only protect us, but he wants to purify us. So he wants to prune those parts of, of his church or his uh, individual um, disciples, the branches, so that we will become more and more fruitful, more and more like Jesus. So part of the problem that uh, that Jesus wants to address to his disciples and to us today is this, I believe, is that we waste a lot of energy, we waste a lot of emotion, we divert nutrients and resources to other kinds of things that actually hinder our ability to grow and become all that Jesus intends us to be. And Jesus wants to make it very clear, this is what I'm doing. This is actually really good news for you, even though when you think about pruning, it looks painful. I mean, how many of you have seen a rose bush that's like just a stump? before it starts to bloom. It needs to be cut and cropped. It's an ugly-looking thing, right? But what happens when spring comes? When you've pruned it appropriately, it it blossoms. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. So notice Jesus says in verse 3, you are already clean. He's talking to his disciples. You're already clean. You don't need to worry about this. You are attached to me. You you already are purified. You're attached to me. Now, more pruning will be coming, but disciples, you just need to know that. Well, what does he mean by that, clean? Well, pruning and cleaning are very similar words in the original language. And how does one actually become clean or become purified? It's through the Word of God. Jesus' words are the words of God. They're transformative. They're powerful. And the words that he's sharing to his disciples are the truth about who God is, his amazing love— And the problem of the brokenness and the fallenness of the world, that there's this thing called sin that needs to be dealt with and handled, and only God is the one who can actually deal with it. And so by trusting in Jesus' words about who we are and our condition, he really cuts to the heart of the problem. He helps reveal to us what's off, what's wrong, where we're failing to uh, live out our intended purpose. But it's not designed to condemn us. It's actually designed to help us and heal us and help us turn back to him. You know, it's like taking out a mirror and it's like, oh boy, what am I going to see right now? Oh boy, you know, and and you start to see, okay, yeah, things are looking a little different now than they used to. And that's okay. But there's areas that may be off or uh, that need addressing. And the word of God, when we take it up to our heart, says, this is where I need to cut. This is where you need to turn back to me. This is where I want to bring healing and hope. And it's all because of my word. This is how pruning actually happens that God wants to do in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate junk food. I I mean, I just hate it. Until I actually want it, and then when I want it, I am just all in. You know, it's like give me a double quarter pounder and a McFlurry. Let's go to town here, and and I will go for it. But the thing that's so interesting is that it tastes good, right in the moment. It's like this is amazing, this is wonderful. But then you pay for it afterwards, don't you? It's like, oh my gosh, this is this stuff is horrible. This I feel bad. I I don't. I shouldn't be doing this again. And there's parts of our life that are junk, that just needs to be cleared up and cleaned up and taken out. There's stuff in our life that we gravitate to that God knows, I know this isn't healthy for you. I want to help you pull that stuff out so that you can bloom and grow and thrive. And the Word of God is one of the ways in which that happens. Maybe even today, right now, there is stuff in your life that God is saying, I want to prune that from you. I want to take that out. I want to work in that and pull that stuff out. Even though you like it, even though you think it satisfies you, there's something deeper going on that makes you gravitate towards that that needs addressing in my Word. My Word is the only thing that can really get at that. Are you going to go ahead and expose yourself to the word of God and allow God to prune you and work in you and so he can work through you? So God wants to protect and purify us as a result of being connected to him. That's the first point. The second point is this. Jesus connects us. Why? To produce fruit. The whole purpose is that Jesus wants to connect us to produce more fruit. Verse 4, remain in me And I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Jesus connects us to produce fruit. This is the point of the whole passage. It's to remain in him. What's that word remain mean? What's he talking about? John loves this word. He uses it 40 times throughout the gospel. He uses it several times right here in this passage, but this is the whole theme. He wants us to remain so that we will produce fruit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, here's some qualifications of fruitfulness. Notice in 1 John 2.6, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. In other words, If we remain in Christ, we are going to be patterning our life after Jesus. We're going to be listening to his words. We're going to be obedient to his commands. We are going to be literally staying connected to him. But the first thing is we must be connected in the first place. And so when you look at that word remain, it can mean a couple different things throughout the Gospel of John. First, it means... To remain is to mean I've placed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've trusted him with my whole life. That's the first definition. The second is that it can mean to persevere in believing. It can also mean believing and loving obedience. Jesus wants us to be connected to him. And then second, we must keep connecting to him. If God is going to work in us and through us, we actually have to remain connected connected in an ongoing way. It doesn't mean Jesus is saying, okay, I will remain in you only if you remain in me. And that's what can be a little bit confusing as you read this verse, but that's not the intention at all. The intention is for us to understand our responsibility. We have a choice, When we place our faith in Jesus, we're automatically connected to God and his family forever. That'll never, ever change. But what can change is allowing him to work in our life, to transform us and work through us and work for us. And it's up to our response to remain or not. So verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. In other words, you don't have the capacity and the ability to change your life on your own. I know for many people, this is actually surprising. They, they've been confused about Jesus because they think, just becoming a Christian means I've got to do a bunch of rules. I've got to follow a bunch of you know, commands. And then I've got to go ahead and somehow, like with my own willpower, start to change my behavior. Not at all. It all starts with staying connected to Jesus and being intentional about it. Now, I know some of you are listening and you're thinking, okay, Kerr, I, I don't need more guilt in my life. I, I, don't, I don't need you to kind of make me feel bad because I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not praying. I already know that I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not praying. I know that. You know, I don't need more of that. How is this actually helpful for me? And if you're feeling that way, I felt that way too. You know, growing up, I thought church was so boring. I thought, man, reading the Bible made no sense to me. And then over time, I started to realize Jesus wants a relationship. He wants a relationship. And I don't need to have it all figured out. I just need to start the journey to go, okay, Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. I'm going to start to just get to know you more. And just like any great friendship, you, you start to share your thoughts and be really honest and share even secrets and, and build a connection. And Jesus wants to be your best friend. He, he wants you to look to him at every moment where you're feeling afraid or you're concerned or, or you've got questions or you're excited. And the mistake I made about this whole thing, and maybe you're falling into the same mistake as this, is that Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for connection. Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for connection. Because as we're connected, he purifies, he protects, he starts to work in us as we let his word start to conform us into the likeness of Jesus. As we start to put it into practice, we start to see, oh, this is why Jesus wants me to do this. Because there's freedom. There's peace. There's hope. So what are the qualities of fruit? that we should be looking for. Like, how do I know Jesus is working in my life? Or how can I make sure he's actually at work? Well, one thing is to start looking at your life. And one great verse, kind of like a dashboard for your relationship with Jesus, might be this one. It's Matthew 4, 19. He says to his first disciples, Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fishers of men, or fish for people. And the idea is this, is that this can be a verse to say, Okay, well, how am I doing in that? You know, follow me. Follow Me really has this idea of becoming like Jesus. I'm actually taking the mind of Jesus, and I'm starting to think like Jesus. I'm starting to think about the world the way Jesus does. And in the first century, what was really powerful is if you became a student of a rabbi, your purpose was to do everything that your rabbi did. Now, in my household, my girls freak out when we're coloring at the table, and one of them screams, stop copying me, like they don't want that to happen, right? But in this context, that's the greatest gift that Jesus wants us to receive. Copy him, follow him. We'll start to have the mind that Jesus has as we get to know who he is. And as we start to think like him, we'll start to become like him. Are our thoughts becoming more filled with Jesus. Second, another way to discern if if we're bearing the kind of fruit that Jesus wants to do in our life is, are we behaving like Jesus? Are we behaving like Jesus? Are our actions, our activities uh, demonstrating that we are connected to Jesus? I mean, if you think about it, Jesus is saying, I will make you fish for people. In other words, Jesus' is job, his job is to transform us as we follow him, as we take on the mind of Jesus, because we get to know who he is and what he cares about, and we start to practice that, we start to understand, I want to live like this, and we start to behave like that. I, I, just even this week, there was this moment, I, I don't know about you, but I hate wasting time, and I felt like I was in a situation where my time was being wasted, and there was this moment I kind of wanted to just lean into this individual, and uh, don't worry, it wasn't my family, but, but it was this individual that I was needing a service from, and I was really frustrated, and in that moment, I literally felt this just pull on my heart to act more like Jesus. There was this war going on in my spirit, <laughs> but something held me back to say, no, you don't want to do that. that, that, that that's not Jesus. And there are sometimes I don't listen to that voice. And there are sometimes I do. But the great news is, there's a voice that I'm hearing in my heart that's working in me. He's working in you. He wants to help us behave like him as well. Next, another way that we can kind of see the kind of, hey, is God working in my life? Is are we burdened for others to know Jesus? Uh, do we care about people in our life who don't know Jesus? One of the things that's powerful and unique about the church is it's the organization that exists for those that are not a part of it yet. Jesus loves this broken and fallen world. He loves every single person, no matter how far gone they are, no matter what they've done, Jesus died for them. And so Jesus says to his people, as he starts to work in us, as we follow him and we're changed by him, he starts to give us heart that cares more and more and more about other people to know of God's wonderful kindness and love. And so another way in which we get to say, hey, is God working in my life? Am I letting God work in my life? Is to go, am I having a growing burden for other people to know Jesus? Now, I don't know about you, but for some of us, we were thinking, okay, yeah, there's some of that going on, but man, I'm in a place where I'm really feeling just down. I'm dry, I'm, I'm discouraged, I'm distracted. And, and there are times in which I, you will find, we find ourselves in a quagmire of fruitlessness. Notice in verse 6, he says, If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. Now, this can be a verse that's a little bit scary, like, wait, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is just making the point with the image that when we don't remain in him, the activity, the things that we're doing, they don't add up to anything. They don't contribute to us becoming more fruitful. There are so many things in life that are so distracting, isn't there? There's things in this life when we are disconnected from Jesus that we chase after. There's ambitions, there's goals, there's relationships that we know, oh, this isn't really healthy for me. This isn't really the best use of my time. Or we think this is the best use of our time and it's not connected to Jesus at all. Then Jesus will say, you're just in a season of fruitlessness. And because God loves us so much, sometimes he needs to prune us of that. But it's far better when we recognize it ourselves or in our community of believers. and we, we talk about online connect groups. Man, I love the connect groups. I love my connect groups because it helps me get inspired to take the next steps I need to take to come back to Jesus when I'm feeling dry, when I'm feeling withered, when I'm feeling disconnected, we all will go through those seasons. That's part of life. That's why Jesus is even telling his disciples, I want you to be fruitful. This is going to happen. When it does, here's how you can come back, and you can start to feel that sense of work that I want to do in your life. So here's a couple ways in which I've seen this fruitlessness come about in my life. It's simply when I'm connected to another source. When I'm connecting on a regular basis to something else outside of Jesus, it usually leads to a fruitless season of my life. And sometimes I'm, I'm focusing on, on being skeptical or cynical. Like there's times in which I'm thinking, oh, God's not here for me. He's not looking out for me. And I become cynical. I'm dwelling on that. Other times I'm unresponsive to God's word. I'm, I'm ignoring the Bible. I'm, I'm not actually meditating on what he wants to say to me. And I find myself withering. But Jesus, he wants you and me connected to him. He wants to connect us to produce fruit. And then thirdly, Jesus has promises for those who stay connected. Jesus has promises for those who stay connected. This is incredible news. It's like, all this other stuff sounds really painful and really hard, Aaron. I mean, as much as Jesus is the one that's going to be doing the transforming, I've got to put some effort into this. That's right. (laughs) You're not earning anything. But we're putting ourselves in a position to stay in vibrant relationship with God. He's the source of the life that he wants for us. But notice in verse 7, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. This is a promise for those who stay connected to him. Are you kidding me? So what is that? That's an unhindered prayer life. That means that when we connect with God, we pray Because we have been taking on his mind and we've been behaving the way that he does. We are in tune with the kind of thinking and way of life of Jesus. And so in light of that, when we talk to God about stuff, what are we going to pray about? What are we going to ask him for? It's going to change our prayer life. I know for me, I look back, my prayer life has changed significantly as I've walked with Jesus. I mean, just think about it. Jesus I just want to spread your love as efficient and as fast as possible. If you could just get me a BMW M5, I could spread your love so much quicker around this world. I mean, those are the kind of prayers you're thinking, well, yeah, I want to pray that. I want that, right? But what happens is, as we start to walk with Jesus, we start to realize what really matters. We start to realize what's most important. And the prayers that we pray are more in line with his will than ever before and he'll surprise us. So an unhindered prayer life is what he's working us towards. Next, verse 8, my father's glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. The other promise that comes with with staying connected to Jesus is that our life will glorify God. What's that mean? Glorify God. It means our life will reflect God's character in the world. His goodness, his love, his mercy, his justice, his grace. Man, God wants to fill the whole earth with his glory. And he's already done so with his creation, but he also wants to do it with his human creation that's broken and fallen and being restored and remade in his image, all because of the work of Jesus in us. That's another promise that we can count on that we can have confidence in. Third, verse nine, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. An unending love for God and others is what's promised. Man, when we stay connected to God, his love isn't conditional for us. It's there. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to live in light of that love all the time. I want you to stay there. I want you to build your life on that love. It's unconditional. It's for you. But what happens for us is we tend to look for love in all kinds of other places. And Jesus says, this kind of love for you can change you for the rest of your life. This is a promise for you. It's an unending love for you. Live in light of that truth. Lastly, verse 11, I've told you these things. Why? Why? so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Another promise that God has for us is an uncommon joy. Joy is not based in circumstances. It's based in the state of right relationship with God because of Jesus. Joy is something that is available to us at any moment, at any time. It doesn't mean that we're happy about the COVID crisis and about people that are hurting and people that are dying. Or It doesn't mean that at all. It means that we can have a sense of faith and trust that this God is at work in the midst of all of it because of what he's already done through Jesus. There is this uncommon joy that Jesus wants every single one of us to have. This is what Jesus is working in us and through us for. Joy is not found in having all of our circumstances figured out, our ability to control the chaos around us. Joy is found in Jesus. So if you're taking notes, here's kind of the big idea of today. It's this. Jesus is where the joy is, so stay connected to him. Jesus is where the joy is, so stay connected to him. I read this powerful story about this gal in January of 2008. And it's a story about this medical miracle from this 15-year-old girl in Australia named Demi Lee Brennan. Brennan became the world's first known transplant patient to change blood types from O-negative to O-positive. Taking on, get this, the immune system of her organ donor. At first, the doctors assumed someone had made a mistake because it's always been assumed that a change like that can't happen. Now they say she's a one in six billion miracle. The blood stem cells in Brennan's new liver, get this, they invaded her body's bone marrow, taking over her entire immune system. She now has an entirely different kind of blood, blood that welcomes life rather than carrying death. This is what she said. She said, it's like my second chance at life. Something similar happens to us because of the blood of Jesus. When we're connected to the life source of Jesus, when he is the true vine for our life, it's like he changes our immune system for the better. He starts to work in us and through us and protect us and purify us, cleanse us to experience the most vibrant and vital life possible so that we would have his joy. Nothing is more powerful than God's people vibrantly connected to Jesus in the midst of chaos and uncertainty and fear to be filled with the sense of confidence and joy, not because of the problems surrounding them, but because of Jesus who solved our greatest problem, our sin. Let Jesus, let Jesus bring you joy today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what you're feeling right now. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know the junk that God wants to purge out of different parts of your life. I know my life. And what constantly happens to me over and over again is there's moments where I disconnect from Jesus and I I find that, oh my, life's not here. Life's back with him. He reminds me through his community the church. He reminds me through his word. He reminds me in my own prayer life, whatever it is, but he brings me back to stay connected because he is where the joy is. So what does that mean for you? Well, maybe for some of you, here's, here's a couple different ideas. One, if you want to let him bring you that joy, maybe for some of it, it's to get connected to Jesus for the first time. Jesus, I want to start following you. I want to start walking with you. We can help you do that. Just let us know. Connect card. Let us know. We want to help you with that. Or maybe it's to reconnect with Jesus. It's time to reconnect with him, to prioritize him. Maybe for some of you, it's to stay connected. I I need to have that quiet time re-kind of started up. I need to pray. I need to get... I get that. Those disciplines are gifts. And if you need help with that, hop onto our website. We're doing the one-year Bible read. We can help you. Join a connect group. I can't think of a better way to stay encouraged and inspired than being in an online connect group. Lastly, maybe for some of you, it's time to help others connect with Jesus. You've got the other two. You're good. But maybe God has been reminding you there's other people around you that need to be connected as well. And maybe it's time to start loving them and you know, live out love to your neighbors. You know, bring those things to help them, encourage them in this time. Build relationship, pray for people. Maybe, maybe it's time for you to start a connect group and invite the friends in your life to join your group. We'll train you, we'll equip you, but help others get connected as well. Wherever you're at in your journey with God, what would it look like for us together to have confidence that God is at work in us and through us and for us to be a blessing to the people around us. It's as we look to Jesus as the true vine. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for your kindness and your love. Thank you for this word that reminds us that you want us to thrive. You want us to bloom and blossom You don't want us to abide or remain in skepticism or fear. You want us to remain in you. Because you are where our joy truly is. Would you help us take our next step today? Would you help us stay connected with you or begin that journey with you today? Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, we pray. Amen.